You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 21. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you. I know you're busy people. Let's jump right into what this week's episode is about. It is titled, Problems Are Forever. And that might seem like it's going to be a bit of a drag of a show. <laughs> I am here to tell you that you will always have problems. Um, it makes me think of the uh, Jay-Z song, I've Got 99 Problems, and every one is one. <laughs> But I don't have a problem of realizing that I have problems. And this is going to be a really great episode for those of you who are constantly striving to figure out how to manipulate your life in such a way that you don't have stressors, that you don't have anxiety, that you don't have problems. And I'm here to tell you as someone who has gone through college, three universities, 12 years, gone through my 30s, changed careers multiple times, of course, always under the guise of being a journalist problems are always going to be there. And you're sitting here at the beginning of your semester, looking at all these syllabuses, syllabi, whatever the plural form of that is, thinking, how am I ever going to be able to get all of this stuff done? How am I going to be able to manage all of my all of these expectations upon me, the ones that you've placed on yourself, the ones that your teachers and your parents and everybody has placed some kind of expectation on you. And I'm here to tell you that those are just the beginning of your problems. <laughs> I want you to think back to a time when you believe you didn't have a problem. Really think back. There won't be a time. You might have even said, oh, easily, Jesse, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? The moment you knew what school was, you probably didn't want to go. And if you did enjoy it, you were one of the few and even there, you had a problem with one of your classes, or you had a problem with a classmate, or you had a problem of wanting to go home and play video games, or you had a problem of going home and being hungry, or going home and having too much food to choose from. There, anything and everything can be seen as a problem, right? We're always going to have an incompletion to us. Now, one of the reasons why I've chosen this topic for this episode going into my third set of pod of episodes because we just finished up episode 20 to drink or not to drink that's not just the question i've been getting some really great feedback on that and you know you are in an environment that was that will highly highly pressure you and continue to influence you to drink at a, at a pace and at a level that you are probably going to become very uncomfortable with right off the bat. And if you do become to get comfortable with it, you will find that that will just increase the amount of problems that you have. I, for one, loved alcohol. And, you know, I do highly believe that addiction doesn't just start in college when you first get there, that it actually 
as the beginnings of it well into your childhood. And it's all about where you started to create habits, right? That became down the road problems, right? Like this is what, what I was taught whenever it came to getting into addiction recovery, when it came to alcohol was that alcohol was the solution to a problem. And then it became the problem. And there will always be problems that, that will never stop. You can go off and get a grade, great grade. You can ace a test, and one of your classmates who you're really great friends with can bomb the test, and they could have studied with you the whole time. You'll get a raise at work and then go outside and see somebody homeless sleeping on the street. You'll get that amazing car you've always wanted, and then the payments will, will be unbearable at times, or the insurance will be crushing, or the student loans. You've gotten into your dream school. You're, you're loving wherever you're at. Everything about the campus is just a beautiful dream to you. Even the classes, no matter how difficult, are amazing. And one day you're going to step outside of that, and you're going to be fifty dollars or $100,000 in debt, and now you're facing that issue. One of the, and Going back to why I'm choosing to do this episode now is I had planned on doing one about emotional self-regulation. And I am a life coach and I do a lot of different speeches and keynotes and we've talked about that in the past. And so what I wanted to talk about when it came to emotional self-regulation fed directly into this idea that problems are forever. And one of the programs that I'm in, because all life coaches, I believe that everyone should have a coach, not just life coaches. I think everyone should have someone um, in their corner pushing them further than they even think they can go. And, um, I mean, think about it, you know, whether it be Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps or Michael Jordan or whatever athlete you might be absolutely enamored with, or maybe not even an athlete, maybe somebody within the academic or the scientific community that you, um, have always followed and read about and gotten their books and listened to their interviews. They have people around them pushing them. So again, I believe everyone should have a coach. And one of my coaches is named Brooke Castillo and I'm in her life, uh, her self-coaching scholars program. And so I'm going back over some of the material from August and one of her uh, podcasts was called Problems Are Forever. And it, I was listening to it yesterday as I was getting some sun out here in uh, Southern California. And I was just thinking, wow, this really ties well into emotional self-regulation. Because as we begin to dive into how to regulate our emotions, there are going to be these issues that pop up. There's going to be these anxieties, these stressors, these problems that you have. And they're going to be what you're going to want to emotionally self-regulate. Um, I remember uh, an amazing woman that I dated back when I was younger, um, straight out of high school and into my first uh, year or two of college at Ball State. We were still communicating, seeing each other when we could. And uh, when I moved to Florida in 1997, I officially broke it off. Uh, I felt like she needed to go off and spread her wings and fly. And, and I certainly was too far away from Indiana to be uh, of any kind of you know serious boyfriend to her, uh, I, the breakup was uh, poorly, poorly done on my part, and it's one of the bigger regrets I have of my behavior back then. And I've got a whole episode about <laughs> top ten things I wish I would have uh, not done in my in my first stint at college at Ball State, and my uh, behavior and the way I treated this woman in particular is one of them. 
Um, I won't dive into that story. I'll save it for that episode. But I bring this up because when I broke up with her, it was going into the winter. And while the winters in Florida are gorgeous and I was working as a lifeguard at Wet n Wild, uh, she was in Indiana and it was freezing cold. And so I break up with her and I don't talk with her again for years. And uh, down the road, we reconnect and um, start to communicate again. And she tells me that the day after I broke up with her, that she slipped down on some ice and she broke her arm. And that that was one of the toughest semesters that this would have been her junior, her sophomore year because she was a year behind me. And one of her hardest semesters because she was preparing, you know, she was in pre-med. And so she had all these classes. Um, I don't understand the pre-med schedule, but I do know that the classes get harder like every college student. You go from the easy classes to the hard ones. But that particular semester was extremely difficult. Uh, class-wise for her to make sure that she had the grades to get into the pre-med program and move forward. Um, again, not knowing all of the pre-med things, does it start junior year, does it not? I don't. I just remember what she told me. And so she breaks her arm the day after I break with, up with her. And she goes off and straight A's the entire semester. She was an amazing uh, violin, or I'm sorry, clarinet and piano player. And she had a recital at the end of the semester. She told me she knocked it out of the park, even though she had to spend a majority of that semester practicing with a broken arm. Uh, And it just got me thinking, like, what a powerful human being she was. I already put her on a pedestal, um, mainly, you know, I won't get into mainly why, but I put her on a pedestal uh, back then, and I still see her as being this amazing woman. And the fact that she could handle the emotions of me breaking up with her in a very, um, very ungentlemanly way and go off and straight A that semester and piano recital and clarinet and just knock it out of the park. Uh, she was, you know, she's one of these, you know, president of her sorority and, and president of associations and clubs on campus kind of women. Uh, she basically was just, you know, alpha female all the way. And it always amazed me when she told me that then, how she was able to emotionally self-regulate and not allow the breakup to, to derail what that semester meant to her overall collegiate career. And ultimately, uh, what would have been her, her career into the future. And one of these abilities of a very emotionally mature person is to be able to compartmentalize their emotions and not allow it to bleed into other areas of their lives. And I don't think that this ability makes anyone, you know, uh, better than anyone else. I think that it just means that they're able to say, I can't be sad about this right now. I have to study for this test. I have to practice this piano. I have to get this recital down. And when you experience everything that college is bringing to you, it is going to be extremely important for you to realize that there is a time and a place to allow a particular problem to get into your mind. Um, I don't want to say get to affect you, right? Because I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be in effect mode where this problem caused me to act this way. This problem caused this thought, which drove this feeling, which created this action, right? This is one of the things that Brooke Castillo teaches all of us in her program is that uh, a circumstance, an outside trigger, an outside event Um, It triggers a thought, which causes a feeling, which drives an action, which creates a result. 
So in this particular story, she could have allowed this breakup to create this thought that she wasn't good enough, which would have caused negative feelings about herself. The action could have been that she didn't study as hard, and the result would have been that she didn't get straight A's. Instead, she compartmentalized what I did to her, and she knew she didn't allow this outside trigger to affect her school career. Um, and no doubt it, it affected her dating career, and, you know, her dating life to a certain extent. She did say that she took some time away from dating after that. But she didn't allow this this trigger of Jesse break, broke up with me to trigger a thought that I'm not good enough. She she believed that she was good enough and that she did deserve 100% of her own love towards herself. This feeling was positive, which drove the action of studying really well and practicing extremely well on the piano and getting straight A's. The The result was straight A's and, and a, and a bang-up um, piano recital. And so these are the things I want you to be thinking about as you go through these problems that are going to come into your life. There, you're never going to completely arrive. You're, you're, you, it's like no matter how much money you ever have, problems come with that. Has, being a life coach and doing the, the work that I do, obviously I know a lot about people like Tony Robbins, Lewis Howes, Gary Vaynerchuk, James Swanwick, and these are just some of the podcasts I got into a couple years ago when I first got into life coaching. These people have problems no matter how successful they are, no matter how rich they are. And just like... You know, money doesn't solve problems, but it certainly gives you a lot more opportunities to rid yourself of the problems that not having money would bring about. Um, you know, you're not sitting in a hot ass house in the Southwest if you've got money for air conditioning. You're not taking a bus to get to work if you have the money to afford a car. You have other problems that owning that car bring about, but at least you're not sitting on a bus for two hours trying to get to work whenever you could just get in your own car and drive directly there, right? So, it's important for you to realize that you will never completely arrive. We get fixated on this idea of who we will become, and, and then we miss out on everything that we are now. And some of this I'm taking directly from Brooke Castillo's notes because it, 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 she just sums it up so eloquently. And my therapist in my addiction recovery talks to me a lot about this, that I forget to enjoy the journey and I'm so focused on the destination that I'm not even noticing all the beauty around me as I just barrel forward in this career or in at the gym or within my relationships. Whatever it is, I'm very destination driven and I'm working on this constantly, constantly to just stop, smell the roses see what's happening around me. And if you're extremely driven, and you're already driven enough to be in college, but if you're, if you're extremely driven to the point where all you can think about is, well, when I graduate, I'll get the best job. And when I get the best job, I'll have the beautiful house, and I'll get the beautiful husband or wife, and I'll have the great kids, and they'll be in the best school, and I'll have a fancy car, and we'll go on beautiful vacations, and I'll have the best 401k. You're constantly going to be looking for the next destination. I did this once when I took my motorcycle around the country in the summer of 2012. And think back to what you were doing in the summer of 2012. I put myself on a motorcycle and drove 12,000 miles from coast to coast and border to border, specifically to spread my mother's ashes in beautiful places that her and I always wanted to visit and um, enjoy, but we couldn't because 
of her Crohn's disease and then the divorce and everything else just sort of crescendoed after the divorce. So I decided to take her ashes to Yellowstone and to Mount Rushmore and to the Blue Hill Mountains and, and to uh, Graceland and to her favorite beach in Florida and all of these cool places, right? And I was so destination-driven. Each day I got up, and I was drinking excessively on this on this road trip, so each day I'd get up later than I wanted to, and in order to make it to my next destination so I could get a campsite or a hotel before nightfall, I couldn't just stop and enjoy the things I, ro- I, I rode by, didn't even know they were going to be there, and I was just so, must get, to, must get here, must get here. Uh, one time in particular that comes to mind was when I was leaving Sioux City, um, South Dakota and going to Indiana. And I was going down a highway in uh, Iowa and they kept talking. There are always dinosaur billboards. If you've ever done this highway, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like these huge billboards about the best rest stop or something like that in the history of mankind. And when you get to this place, and it's 100, 100 miles at least that they start advertising this because there's nothing else to look at but corn, uh, cornfields and billboards. And when you finally get there, there's like all these dinosaurs, and they may have been the ones featured in the Pee Wee Herman's uh, Great Adventure movie where he loses his bicycle. I don't know because I remember there was a dinosaur in there, like a dinosaur park. Uh, and I remember him was, he was doing this cross-country drive. I'm definitely aging myself here. Um, anyways, the point of this is that rather than stop and enjoy this amazing rest stop I had been seeing, I no, I had to get to where I was going, and I couldn't stop and even enjoy it for 30 minutes. And that sums up that entire trip. I was so destination-driven that I missed a lot of beautiful moments in the journey that would have really impacted me and given me amazing memories. And that's the thing, guys, is you're never going to know when you stop and enjoy the journey if that particular moment is going to be a memory that you're going to hold dear. You just, you don't know. And if you sit there and you start and you start trying to think, well, if I stop, then I have a problem of showing up late. Or if I don't focus on my graduation, then I may not graduate on time. And then this will bring these 30 problems. Then you, if, if you sit there and you are trying to negotiate doing this mental gymnastics in your head about whether stopping and seeing the dinosaur monument on the side of the road is worth it or not, you're, you're, always, you're, you're never going to win that. Because you don't know if it's going to be an amazing memory until it's already occurred and it becomes a memory, until it becomes that experience that you can look back on. When you get fixated on who you'll be at the end of your college career instead of enjoying who you are now, really diving in to this maturation and this evolution of who you are, if you're not getting immersed in that, you're going to miss so much. I get that some people will be like, this dude stayed in college for 12 years. What the hell could he possibly teach me about being successful in college? I got a 3.0. I got tons of A's. The main reason I stayed in college for so long was because it was a blast. I'd take classes in the fall. I'd sign up for 12 hours, get the, get this, get the, get the money, um, or not even get money. I didn't even get money till my junior, senior year. Um, maybe I'd drop one or two of them, but either way, I had six credit hours, so I was still good to go. Maybe I took classes in the spring. Maybe I didn't. Always took classes in the summer. Took classes in the fall to get the football tickets again. Right? Like, the only reason I stayed in school for 12 years is because I just didn't want to make, I just didn't care to make it through it. I thought it was a blast. Why would I want to leave and go out into the quote-unquote real world? So in reality, I only took school for 18 semesters. 
And if you were to take all of that and condense it into springs, um, fall and and uh, spring, summer, and fall, that was really only six years, which is about normal from what I hear. Most people are graduating at about the four to six year range now. So don't think that because I spent 12 years in college that I was getting F's the whole time. They don't let you stay in school when you do that. (laughs) What I wasn't doing was enjoying the journey. It was always about, well, when I graduate, I'll finally be able to hang that on my wall and everyone will know that I accomplished this. No one freaking cares. You will learn that that yes, when you go to a job, especially the first one or two, they're going to want to know where you went to school. And when you start talking to your coworkers, that will become a thing. Where'd you go to school? Talk to us about that. But they're not going to be asking for your transcripts. They're, they're going to want to know that you have the skills and the habits in place that I talked about from episode 10, um, uh, what, 11 through 20, 11 through 19, when I talked about the book. Do you have an open-mindedness are you, are, you, are you a growth mindset over fixed? Are you courageous over, over non-courageous? Are you decisive, action-oriented, disciplined, flexible, tenacious? There will always be problems. And let's circle back to the original topic of this episode. There will always be problems. But if you get fixated on fixing them and not enjoying the journey of, of the fixing of them, you're missing valuable life lessons. Life is always going to have a certain negative component to it. I, you know, Brooke says that it's 50-50. Sure. Sometimes it might seem 90 negative and only 10 positive. Other times you might get an A on a test and you might have a great date and all these great things happen and like, wow, wow, that day was amazing. Right? But overall, if you look at life in the grand scope of things, it's about a 50-50. Cuz that's just the way that the brain sees it. Right? If you don't know good if you haven't had some bad. You don't know sad if you haven't had some happy. I go I go to the amusement park out here called Six Flags, and if you were a roller coaster ride t- tester, and that's all you did every day, roller coasters would not seem exciting to you. It would get logical, and you'd lose that emotional intrigue of them. It would just be like, okay, here we go, spin, spin, turn, how many G-forces. You, it would become very scientific. You have to have the negative to know the positive. If everything was always good, then how would you know what bad was? And if everything was always bad, how would you know what good was? It's easy to feel like you're depressed because then you can just walk around all mopey and sad. I argue that it's not depression that you're feeling as much as it's just an energy block that, that you've created within yourself. And if you can release that energy block, you can feel, you can feel happiness again. It'd be like you know when I broke up with that woman, she could have been feeling very sad. And she could have been sad for months. And then if I call her up and say, oh my God, I'm completely wrong. I'm dropping out of college here in Florida. I want to move back to Indiana. I want to go to school near you. I want to make this happen. This is the most important relationship I've ever had. And I'll never want to let it go. Any sadness that she felt over the relationship, if she was willing to get back with me, it would immediately, boom, snap. She'd have been happy. Why? Because all of a sudden that negative energy that she was locking inside of herself was able to be released. I'm reading Untethered Soul right now. It's an amazing book on, on conscious conscious thoughts and being able to shut up the, the, the voices in your head. Not like your crazy voices, but just, you know, the voice in your head that you think is you, but it's really not. And it talks about when 
you have a breakup and you're and you're sad and you're mopey and you think you'll never be happy and then a month and a half the person calls up and says they were wrong and you, and you get back into the relationship and everything's great all of a sudden you're happy again it's because you just allowed that negative energy to release through you whenever a bad thing happens in college when something doesn't happen the way you want it just realize that there's a lesson to be learned there that there 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 was something to gain from that if you're constantly succeeding all the time then when a problem finally does show up down the line, you don't know how to handle it. You want those problems. I see this happen with some NFL football players. They were virtuosos in high school. They go off to college. Cam Newton comes to mind because I think he complains an awful lot for someone who's accomplished so much. And when he loses a game, he just sits there and does that blank stare, no question. Rather than be the Peyton Manning or the Tom Brady or – Who's another? Even Patrick Mahomes has had some bad games, um, where where they say, you know what, I didn't do as well as I could have. I'm gonna, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna figure out what we did, we're gonna get better. Instead, he sits there and he acts, he acts like a pouty baby, and it's because he was amazing in high school. He won a national championship and a Heisman in the same year in college, and he goes as the number one pick to a team, makes a Super Bowl in one of his first couple years. He. When adversity hits him, he's not prepared for it. So he goes back to acting like a child because a lot of us have learned how to react to negative situations and react to our problems based off of how we reacted to them as children. It's not a negative thing that we react that way. It's a programmed behavior that now you're in college, you need to start to work on and realize that whenever you have a setback, learn what you need to from it and move through it. Release that negative energy and realize that this is just a problem that there is either a solution for or not. You didn't become president of your sorority. You didn't become president of your fraternity. You didn't, the person that you really liked said no when you asked them out. Okay, learn what you need to learn from that and move on. They're not a bad person for saying no. Your fraternity or sorority is not a bad place for saying no to you being their president. You know, you not getting an A on a test doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right? This is just an issue that you're having now. You can, we can see it as a problem if we like, so we can stay on in congruency with what the name of this episode is about. You learn from it, and you move through it. If you always run from the negativity, then you can't learn from the negativity. I'm going to repeat that because I really want this to set in. If you're always running from the negativity, then you can't learn from the negativity. This doesn't mean go out drinking the night before a big test so that you can get a bad grade and learn from that negativity. You already know what you shouldn't have done. You shouldn't have gone out drinking the night before a big test. Tick, 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 tick. Bling! The alarm goes off. You want to be the best version of yourself. But if you go in there and you freeze up, even though you studied really well and you got a good night's sleep, then you'll learn that maybe the way that you studied isn't the best way for you to study. Maybe you're more of an audio learner, so it'd be better if you read your textbook and read your class notes out loud into your phone and then went back and listened to those voice memos you created. Perhaps you're more of a visual learner, so it's better that you you know, diagram out the notes and, and rewrite them multiple times so that you really allow them to sink in. I'm very visual. Um, I'm a, I play fantasy football, and one of the reasons why I think I'm so good at it is because I can look at the stat sheets of players and it's like, 
it just somehow t- takes a picture in my head. I don't think it takes up any space. It's literally just a picture. So when I hear that Christian McCaffrey only got you know five or six points against me last night, I can see that he had less than ten carries and he only got you know twenty or thirty yards and a few receptions. Like I can see that in my head. So later on, when somebody asks me how Christian McCaffrey did, I I start spouting off stats. I, I'm visual, so I just I take these little mental pictures and boom, they're in there. If that's how you learn, and then all of a sudden you you get a bad grade on a test, then think about it. Is is it because I'm more of an audio learner or a visual learner? It's not a negative thing that you got a bad grade unless you give up. It's just another problem to be solved. I love being able to solve problems because it teaches me something. I'm going to put some questions that Brooke put into um, the podcast notes for us scholars uh, so that you can go and, and ask yourself these questions. So jump over to Podbean. Um, you can find them in whatever podcasting app you're listening to me on. But Podbean will have them much more organized. Uh, it's not hard to sign up for Podbean. You just jump on your desktop or your phone and put the app there, and, and you'll be able to see the notes really clean. Just remember, guys, problems can be used to teach you amazing things. Right? When you think about your problems, you can use them to plan for obstacles that are going to come down the road. You use them to accept the negative emotions that you're creating. Understand that you need to release yourself from self-punishment over your negative actions. Because the punishment is sitting in that problem and not looking for the solution. Stop resisting the negative parts of your life. She puts in the notes, stop resisting half of your life. Because if half of your life is negative and you resist it, then you're not learning. Don't be afraid of the emotional pain. Step into it. When we go into emotional self-regulation over the next few episodes, it's going to be imperative for you to realize that through these emotional pains that you'll begin to learn and grow from, that it's, it's why you become a stronger adult. It's why whenever you have a heartbreak in your 30s or 40s, it doesn't hurt as much as it did in your, in your teens and 20s because you've experienced it. Now, are you learning the best ways to move through it so that you don't become self-destructive? And we're going to be talking about that over the next few episodes because one of, the, one of the podcasts that Brooke has us listening to after this one called Problems um, Are Forever is one entitled I Am Not Good Enough. And when we get into this, it's going to be important for you to realize that everyone is good enough. It does not matter about your race, creed, economic background, nothing. We are human. We were born. We were put on this planet by whatever divine being you want to believe. You are free to insert name here. Um, I believe in a universal cosmic energy force that is just beyond our our understanding, right? And enough amoebas got together a, a hundred thousand million years ago, and before you knew it, humans were here, and now we're one of them, and we are amazing because of it. I believe every every animal is just as special as a human, and that's one of the reasons why I think the environment's so important. And that's a whole other episode. I digress. <laughs> just. As we start going over emotional self-regulation and this idea of being good enough and understanding that problems are forever, um, it's going to be extremely important for you to realize that if you try to hide from the negative situations, if you, try, if you hide from, if you're afraid 
of feeling a negative emotion, then you're not going to go up to that person that you're attracted to and ask them out. You're not going to go up to the professor and tell them that you're confused and then you don't understand and that's why you're not getting good grades. If you are afraid of stepping into the negative emotion by doing an action that could bring it about, you're, the worst case scenario is that you miss out on the best case scenario. And just hear that one more time and we'll wrap this up. The worst case scenario, if you don't step through that fear and put yourself in a position where you might get hurt, is that you miss out on the best case scenario, which could be that the person says yes, or that the professor says, that's awesome. I'm so glad you came up to me. I could tell by your grades that you're not getting this. Why don't don't you come to my office and we'll go over it so that you can catch up. That's the best case scenario. And now you've solved that problem. But if you're not willing to step through that fear and let that negative emotion pass through you and just go by you like the thousands of trees and billboards on those Iowa highways did for me on that motorcycle trip, if you don't just allow those things to pass by and you're not just cruising and enjoying it, if you get fixated on that one billboard, then you miss everything else that was happening. And if you've seen 50 billboards telling you that there's an amazing rest stop 100 miles ahead, I highly recommend that you stop. It could just end up being one of the best memories you have of that trip. But you'll never know if you don't stop. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoying this podcast. It is absolutely an honor to have you for these 30 minutes. Just remember that problems are forever. Once you get rid of 99, 101 show up, right? They're always there. And speaking of uh, something that's not a problem, but would be really awesome if you did, if you jumped on your podcasting app and subscribed, rated, reviewed it, especially if you're on iTunes, that totally matters in how I show up. Uh, it would be really great to have you guys do that. So please, if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, whatever app you're listening to me on, please subscribe, rate, review if that's possible. For a lot of them, it's just a follow. Some of them, you can throw some stars down. And if you love what you hear, give me some feedback because I'd love to know more. Jump over um, to at Jesse Mogul or at College Success Habits on Instagram at Jesse Mogul on Twitter. It's not too hard to find me. I'm the only Jesse Mogul on the planet. Inclusivity is way more amazing than exclusivity. So do not follow what DC does. Hug everyone, be friends with everyone until they prove otherwise to you. And as always, treat each other with kindness and respect because I can assure you it will go a long way into making your life that much better. Until we meet again, bye-bye for now. 